3 a.m. in the morning. The bed is shaking. There is a noise coming somewhere underneath. So you sit up quickly. You're walking right in the middle of your sleep. For a split second, you wonder what on earth is happening. And then your instincts and your experience kick in. So the next thing you say is, earthquake, quick. And both of us rush out of bed. We are talking second, two seconds maybe. Grab something in terms of clothes and rush for Sophie's room. And in about 10, 15 seconds, we literally drag her out of the house. The whole earthquake lasted about 30 seconds, I guess. That's what we were told. In our time counting, it lasted an hour. And surprisingly, we didn't think about the car in the garage, (laughs) the smartphone, the computer. We didn't think about any of the nice things that you think about when you leave your home for longer, let's say for a week or two. We didn't even think about the keys of, of, of the house. We just ran for our lives. God's mercy was upon us that night, big way. No one was killed. We already told you about that. But I remember sitting the next day in the office in the church trying to make sense of a sermon I was supposed to be preaching that evening. And I found myself thinking, what if that morning was different? What if there was no house standing on its own anymore? What if people were digging through the rubble to find their relatives or to find some belongings that they need to survive? What if the military had been in the city already? Because that's what happens when an earthquake strikes. The chaos is incredible. What would I be doing? Would I be with my family trying to survive? Would I be feeling more of a pastor than a father that day and be in the church? And The new building that is not finished, no regulations anymore in a day like that, this would probably withstand an earthquake. Would that be open for people to come in and, and, and be cared for? Would it be a hospital, the new building that day? And more importantly, where are the priorities in life? in a day like that. When all your belongings are are gone, or almost gone, when the bank accounts, whatever is in there, more or less, doesn't matter anymore, because the banks don't exist or can't really do anything. What are the important things that you think about in a moment when your life is threatened, when you only have a few seconds to escape? In the passage that we just read before us, there are three questions. One is connected with medicine, the other one is connected with doctors, and the third one is about health. Is there balm in Gilead? Aren't there any doctors in Gilead? And why isn't then my son, my daughter, healed? The balm of Gilead was something very valuable for its time. It was actually a balm tree, and the raising of the tree was healing wounds. And people came from far away to get the balm because 
It was so valuable for its time. And Gilead was famous with the balm of Gilead, with the balm tree and the resin that healed wounds. Do you remember the, the story of Joseph? And uh, if you remember in uh, Genesis 37:25, it says that his brothers sold him. And the verse says, as they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a procession or a caravan of Ismailites coming from Gilead. And their camels were loaded with spices, with balm and myrrh. And they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. And those are the people who were carrying that same balm who actually bought Joseph. Well, the queen of Sheba was the reason for those famous balm gardens. She brought the balm to Solomon as a present. And then Solomon planted the small trees. They grew up. And those were actually the famous gardens of Solomon. And the balm was very expensive. And it brought a lot of profit. Later on, if you go even down through the centuries and you go to the Roman Empire, Emperor Vespasian, he was the one who would come back and have a balm branch of the same balm tree on his head if he was coming victorious. It was a sign of victory when he was coming back. But at the time of Jeremiah, if you were sick, any kind of sickness, they believed the balm would heal any trouble. Even if you're dying, even some people would go on to say that you could be resurrected by being covered with the balm. So at the time of the Jeremiah, where you go, where you're sick, you go to the valley of Gilead. And then the prophet is asking, isn't there a balm in Gilead? Of course there was a balm in Gilead. This is what Gilead was famous about. Aren't there doctors there? Of course there are doctors. Hundreds of them. Every corner had a doctor there administering the balm. It was a big industry. So when are the people then who are healed as a result of the balm and the doctors? Why aren't the people healed? You understand that those are rhetorical questions. And they're not really about the physical health at all. They're about the spiritual health. They refer to a God who is concerned about the spiritual problems of his nation and who has provided what is necessary for those wounds to be healed. Well, thinking about it, what is the balm needed for? Amazing passages in the Old Testament. When there is a broken heart, a balm is needed when there is a broken heart. A heart which is fainting, and sinking within. A heart which is full of sorrow, says Psalm 13. A heart subject to oppression, calamity, pain. And not always sin is the cause of brokenness, as we well know. The reasons may be different. Brokenness and pain may be there, not always because of sin. Um, I'll never forget a person called Peter and Mitku, who are two homeless people who come to our church. Well, one of them now comes because the other one had HIV and he died recently. Mitku was strict by his family and uh, he was sick in hospital. He had cancer, 
And after the operation, when he's still not quite understanding what is going on, his brother and his nephew came, and they asked him to sign a piece of paper, and he did. And it turned out that they stole away from him his small apartment. So recovering and coming out of hospital, he didn't have anywhere to go. We always tend to compare ourselves with people who are better than us, especially I'm talking about us in Bulgaria. We always think we've got the economic crisis, we're poor, we've got that, we've got the other. But we never compare ourselves with people who are lower, Hmm. who are underneath. Brokenness comes and there is a balm for brokenness. There is also a lot of pain created by the biggest problem of all, the sin. There is balm available for the sinful heart. It is needed there. You probably noticed the verse 19 of our passage. Why have they aroused my anger with their images, with their worthless foreign idols? God is hurt by the sin of these people. And then Jeremiah asks about the balm and the healing. Because there is a great illness, which is the the foundation, the source of everything else we see and creates pain in this earth. The presence of sin. There's also a Chinese proverb. (laughs) Very interesting. Teddy. Yeah, well, the Chinese people speak about this lady. It's like a proverb over there who went to an old man to ask him for some advice. She had lost all of her three sons. She was heartbroken. So went to this old man and said, Is there a healing for my heart, for the pain that I feel? And the wise old man, instead of saying no, he told her, Listen, if you can find a home anywhere on earth and bring me a few beans from that home, a home that has never experienced pain, bring me those seeds. And then I will tell you how to find healing of your heart. So the lady took this promise and started walking from one house to another, from one family to another. It took her five years to go around and then came back to the wise man. And at the end of this trip said, I've been all over the place. I spent all the money I had to travel and I could not find a home where they haven't experienced pain. So... um, the wise man was able to tell her, well, everywhere on this earth there is pain, but also there is a God who heals pain, any kind of pain, physical or spiritual. How is the balm administered? By the great God, who is Jehovah Rafi, the God who heals, the God who has given himself and who is there to give more and more, even more than what we ask for. And to heal. Imagine there is a medicine for your illness, whatever the illness is, and it's administered in the local hospital, and there are some doctors in this church, we know that, who can administer it to you, and yet you are not healed. So wouldn't it be logical for someone like us coming from abroad to ask you, isn't there a medicine? And the answer would be yes. And aren't there doctors to help you? And the answer would be yes. So why are you still sick? That's the question that Jeremiah is asking. And the answer is very obvious. People did not take the medicine. They didn't trust the source of their, of their, healness, they, they, of their healing. They didn't trust God who actually promised them that he will be their Jehovah Rafi, the God who heals. Well, I think we're speaking, first of all, to ourselves. 
So what? We know the balm. And it's Jesus Christ himself. And we've had the privilege to have him heal our hearts. And we have had the privilege of knowing him personally. And also we know the healer. The God, Yehovah. God, Rafi, Who is there available. But also it comes with a huge responsibility. And this is what we feel back home. And we can see that you yourselves are doing that as well. A responsibility to go and tell. To tell about the balm and to tell about the healer. Because this is good news. And sometimes you probably felt like you want to shout it out and you say, well, come to God. You don't have to stay broken. You don't have to stay in sin. You don't have to stay where you are because there is a healer. And he's powerful enough to bring everything and to clean and to bring peace and comfort. Some powerful words are written in um, Romans chapter 10 by Paul. The word is near you, he says. It is in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. And if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Isn't that a healing medicine for our soul? Tell me. According to Paul it is. For it is with your heart that you believe and you're justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and you are saved. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you believe that? Brothers and sisters here in Bristol and in England, do you believe that? We strongly believe that in Bulgaria. Why aren't the people saved then? If we believe that we have the medicine available, if we believe that Jesus Christ is the same today, and today if someone proclaims his name, we'll be saved. And we have this treasure. Why aren't people saved around us? Well, we have to be very humble today and say that we cannot provoke anyone to accept Christ by force. That's not possible. People have tried it over the centuries. We became Christians in Bulgaria by force. Our kings decided it will be a Christian nation, so they sent their soldiers with their swords and their priests with their buckets, and you had a choice. You either get baptized and become a Christian that day, or you die. And they thought they evangelized the nation. We can't do that. We are not responsible for the answer or the reaction the people would have to the gospel. But listen to this. We are responsible to bring this medicine to them. How can then they call upon the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? Someone needs to tell them. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? Because it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Please turn to the person next to you and ask him, are your feet beautiful today? I'm serious. Turn left or right, whatever is easier, whatever is less embarrassing, and ask the person next to you, are your feet beautiful today? 
We are people that are sent. It is not only the preachers. It is not Pastor David here or, or, or Mike Pears or, or Teddy and Didi or the people that are paid to be the preachers. No. Dear brothers and sisters, every one of us is supposed to be the source of this healing because we have the medicine. Our responsibility is to bring it to the people. Whether it's in a form of food or care or embrace or preaching. I mean, the old saying said, we should be preaching the gospel always. And if necessary, <laughs> as a last resort, use words. Remember that? So I hope you all have beautiful feet today because we're all sent. And it's really up to us to bring the gospel and then just leave it in the hands of the Lord. To touch hearts. To heal hearts. So that the balm of Gilead that is available changes hearts. Let us remain quiet and reflect a little bit over that powerful message from Jeremiah.